0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Monday, we lost one of the greatest Phillies of all time in Dick Allen today, after a few days of mourning and thinking about Dick Allen, we talked to Michael Jack Schmidt, Hall of Famer, Michael Jack Schmidt, teammate, friend and maybe one of the greatest influences Dick Allen ever had on a Hall of Fame career other than his own. Michael Jack Schmidt right here on Pine Tower for Breakfast. In the air to left field, going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Francis sends everybody home. Balls are Coming down. What up, and welcome to another episode of Pine Talk for Breakfast. I am your host, Kevin and at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. And today uh, is a little somber mode, but I, I, look, I'm lucky enough to be able to have Michael Jack Schmidt on today um, to talk about Dick Allen, the passing of Dick Allen, and what Dick Allen meant to him. Um, it's unfortunate that we lost someone as revered, um, I think, today, and I say that because we pretty much know the story of Dick Allen and uh, the first time through Philadelphia to the second time, uh, the change, the maturation, the acceptance, the, you know, everything about him. Uh, but a lot of it the second time came through with, with teammates. And so why he came back, I want to talk to Michael Jack Schmidt with, about that with him. Um, and also just just shoot it with Mike because to me, Schmidt is one of the best, and I enjoy having so many conversations. Being a player, I, I used to—I mean, I used to go up and talk to him all the time. Like, like I was a guy. Like I was, like I was good, you know. Like he would—he didn't care who you were. Did you play the game hard? Yes, I will talk to you. Do you respect the game? Yes, I will talk to you. And it was awesome. I had so many good conversations about hitting. I just wish it would have uh, transferred over a little bit more to myself but anyway i'm lucky enough to have well let's just start with the resume real quick three-time mvp 12th time all-star six silver sluggers only 10 glo- gold gloves world series mvp and oh by the way a uh, bust in the hall of fame the hall of fame plaque of mike schmidt schmidt how are you yeah,
1: having my friend uh Good to see you. It must be a little chilly there. You got your oh. uh, stock.
0: It's freezing. Like, okay, so last year we moved uh, Thanksgiving time to Jersey, Philly, Jersey area, uh, full time from California. And it was cold. It was cold. Well, we got snow yeah. yesterday here. And I'm like, I I mean, I'm freezing. I, I, the skin has not gotten thick.
1: Where do you get to be in your 70s brother you <laughs> you're up when it's 70 outside it doesn't oh. take much to, I just start shaking man I hate the cold
0: yeah. what's the coldest game you ever played in do you know do you remember whether oh, it was the uh, big well, leagues or minor leagues I don't even care it's like
1: oh you we played in a lot of really really cold ones you know uh
0: those games in the
1: fall and the postseason can get really nasty. Uh, the opening, obviously, the opening day games, there's been a lot of very, very cold opening day games. A little, You know, a little um, misty snow in the air. Uh, you know, you got to go out there. I mean, I've played with like four layers, you know, a couple of <laughs> sleeves. I've, I've hit with two sets of batting gloves, you know, yeah. not just one. Yeah. XXL and an XL, <laughs> two sets of batting gloves. Oh no! No question. I put two sets of under my glove, glove hand. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh for sure. Um, hated them. You know, you, yeah. you go up to home, and, and you're shaking. And when when you're cold, the uh, the adrenaline, you have tr- tr- trouble trouble uh, you know controlling the adrenaline. <laughs> unlike the pitcher, you know, unlike the pitcher who is, you know, he's lathered up and you know he's, you know, he's moving a lot oh, yeah. and he's warmed up and he's sweating a little bit. And the ball, when it's cold, the ball's tacky, you know, <laughs> and they have a little bit of uh, pine tar. Oh, the yeah. Gloves, so oh, they, yeah. And you put that on the glove in the cold weather, and, whew, boy, they can get a lot of friction, get a lot of spin on that ball. And uh, hitting is no fun when it's cold. So a lot of games, Kevin. I can't remember one in particular, but, man, you know, we played in a lot of cold games.
0: I I played in a few in, in the East Coast, but one was uh, in Rochester in AAA with the, when I was with the Pigs for uh, a little bit. And it was 16 degrees. And it was yeah, so cool. cold. And it was like a three degree wind chill factor and all stuff. And I'm hitting second. And you know, we've talked plenty about when I hit, I, I look, I'm not going to see pitches. If they're going to throw me a fastball in the first. Pitch, I'm going to swing. Well, I go yeah. up my first at bat, and the guy throws me change-up, and it looked like a fastball off the end, and I couldn't feel my hands for seven innings. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was yeah, like, uh, yeah. that's, that's well, not
0: you, good. You can live with that if
1: the ball becomes a base hit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, no, when it goes five feet, and the guy throws you out by 30, I mean, that's like that's not good. That's, that, that's the moment where you're going, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> hey, yeah. well, you yeah, know,
1: well, but you chalk those games up to, I don't know, something. You just—it's—it's it's very tough to get knocked, you know. And yeah. The center all up in those days. Baseball's not supposed to be played in the cold.
0: No, but it—but it's still. I mean, it's still baseball. Like at, at at some point, you're gonna have the winner and loser. And at the end of the day, like you're trying to do the best individually in a in a team sport, right? Like that, that's what it is. In the cold games, there's. I feel like when you win. It warms up the place a little bit, and you're not thinking about it. when you lose in those cold games. It's like it was the coldest game of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they always say both teams are playing in the same conditions. <laughs> Absolutely. <you know? laughs> well, so, and some have some better, uh, you know, amenities in the in the dugouts than others. But that's that's here nor there. Hey, uh, well,
1: nowadays nowadays they got a lot of stadiums indoors, you know, which doesn't, you know, which helps a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean. The World Series, you're looking at that thing going. When they had to open up the the roof and it's 50 degrees in Texas, you're going, "Wait, this is not supposed to be happening in an indoor state like a, a retractable roof. It's supposed to be closed in 70." Right.
1: <laughs> right. Weather, I hate hate you know. That's why that's why you start to get your knocks as it gets warm. You know, May, June, and get you know. I I loved when it was hot. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. And there's nothing better than just being. Uh, man, it is so hot out here. Um, I'm sweating. I'm covered in sweat. The pitchers dying of the heat. And for some reason, to me, that's when it was easy to hit. Yeah. You know because you're relaxed. You you know you're sweating like a and and. It's the exact opposite of hitting in in uh, you know in early April. Yeah. Colder than hell. I mean, I found out that uh, hitting the second half of the season was a
0: lot more fun. No, you know it's funny you say that because it's like, well, you know, even Hall of Famers have their struggles. Well, you didn't. I don't. I'm not going to say you struggled, but April, you had 269. Your your worst month was 246, and that was May. So what do you
1: got? What do you got? A wall there with all my
0: stats on it? Yeah, don't worry about it. I got everything here. (laughs) Yep. Yep. My, your your ops, at, your ops was at its lowest in May, so you were a cold guy. Like you liked the cold, but it's different. Like when you're talking about the heat, uh, playing playing at the vet on the turf, that's a different heat that you're having to endure all the time because you're not your your spikes aren't in the dirt. <laughs> I
1: didn't mind that. Yeah, so, there were some years where your spikes wouldn't penetrate it. It was so hard. You know, <laughs> the, the turf, the turf. You know, they don't have any, nowadays, they don't have any any fields, uh, even, even Astro, I mean, I don't even know if there are any astroturf fields left.
0: <laughs> no, they're, they're uh, Toronto, but that's a uh, hybrid.
1: Nationally, yeah. Um, I don't know, I don't even know what OPS means, brother.
0: That's your on-base and slugging percentage combined. Usually, so let's one. just say you had a pretty damn good one for your entire career.
1: That was good for me. <laughs> I, heard, I heard war is a good one for me, too. I don't even know what that means.
0: Well, Wins no one knows what war means other than when you're great. Uh, it's a lot better than everyone else's, and that, that, that's you.
1: <laughs> Wins against replacement, Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like a replacement guy like myself, I I am a negative, like a negative 0.8 war guy. Well, I find that to be kind of deceiving because I was the replacement player. I was playing sparingly and not in a, in a moment where you're you have that routine that everything that's going out there. It's like, so how do you know what, what you really are? Like if you're a utility guy, if you're an everyday player, that war I think actually says something like what you do on a day in day out basis if you have a high number like yourself, it it just blows everything else away. Like for a negative guy like me, I'm like, well, I mean, if, if you take the moments that I got to play all the time, I might have been a one-war guy. <laughs> all
1: right, so hold it right there. I'll give you a little segue to a guy named Dick Allen.
0: Oh, thank you. Who
1: had an unbelievably high war, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You know, in in those almost uh, sixty. Is that what it was?
0: Yeah. He,
1: well, I thought war was measured in like you get up, and if you're over one point something or other, is that OPS or is that war? Uh,
0: well, there's there's OPS. There's you know like a, a, a thousand and a uh, nine hundred plus is ridiculous. OPS plus is like a a uh, hundred is league average. He was a one fifty six. Uh. And then his war was a fifty-eight point eight. You were a one hundred six point nine. Couldn't get that extra point one to get you one hundred seven. But whatever.
1: Yeah, but I, I, I thought uh, I thought Dick I thought Dick's uh, war would have been you know close to one point something or other.
0: I mean, what, um, his war t- technically is one of the highest still in the game. I mean, it's a it. There's not many that are above him, right? I mean, having that high of a a, a war. Uh, is incredible. And if I get you the number, I will. Um, uh, but this week we lost Dick Allen and it's a friend. Sure. It was a teammate. Um, and you know, reading a lot of people in, in, in just in general, uh, maybe an influencer into, into certain ways of, of hitting for yourself too. uh, Dick yeah. Allen, Dick Allen was man, all the stories playing as a Philly and, and reading about, or knowing about Dick Allen, I thought he was like six four, six, five, like just the stories, nope. and he was five eleven
1: yeah yes he was <laughs> he was uh, he you'd think he was bigger, right right he was he was uh um, he looked bigger mm-hmm. <laughs> when you looked at him. he had wide shoulders, a tiny you know a tiny waist, hands like a blacksmith, man, I mean, he had the biggest hands and He, you know, he could control that 40 ounce bat a 36, 37 inch, 40 ounce bat. And you you know where he took that thing, you know, how he cocked it toward the pitch and then it got it back around and then got on top of the ball. (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And the reason, uh, one of the, one of the things I, I took from him was that whole idea of trying to drive the ball down. Um, which Dick did. I mean, you'd have watched him take batting practice. You'd have been, what is he doing? What is he? What is he? And, and Kev, what he did, well, all he did was try to hit line drives off the screen in front of the pitch. Boom, 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 boom. And it was an awesome thing to watch. Yeah. Um, and then when he hit in games, he would hit as a right-handed hitter. He would, hit line drives that right hit right-handed hitters couldn't hit you know what I mean like yeah. like a screaming line drive by the, by the first baseman
0: and he was trying and he was <laughs> trying
1: you know off of a right-handed yeah. pitcher you know a right-handed pitcher and I'm going simple I couldn't dream of doing that but as I watched Dick and took that that down swing thought I could do it. I started yeah. to learn to do it. Before the end of my career, I could do it. And any kind of an uppercut swing will not let you do it. You can't do that with no. any kind of an uppercut swing. and especially, me, with yeah, bat, right?
0: well, especially with that bat, right? Especially with a 40-ounce bat. You could not do that.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And if you can do that as a right-handed hitter or a left-handed hitter by the third baseman, you got everything covered. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you can cover everything in the spectrum of hitting if you have that in your in your bag, you know, in your bag of tricks. That stroke means you can let the ball get deep. You can, you know, you can let it travel. You, you know, you can do just about anything. Then that's one of the things I learned from Dick, um, going to that thinking as a hitter, and I didn't really do it till later in my career. But uh, very unique, very unique. Uh, he could run knew how to run the bases early in his career. He could throw when he, when he was a third baseman, um, advanced runners, all the little things. Uh, he knew, he knew, he knew inside baseball, you know, and that's what, that's what he brought to me and to his teammates when he came to Philadelphia. And that's, and, and Kevin, that's one thing that no one would ever dream that this guy that supposedly caused all this trouble <laughs> And had the reputation he had—that's one thing you would never think that would come from Dick Allen, right? Yeah, you'd, you'd think loner, yep. you know, you think uh, out for himself, um, bad guy in the clubhouse. You know, you'd think all those kind of things, but kind of just the opposite.
0: Well, if the if the truth was uh the opposite, as you were saying, his number wouldn't be retired in, on the Phillies wall, right? I mean, that that just wouldn't happen. You just don't do it to a bad person. Uh, the we've talked well, about I, I, it, the perceived yeah. versus reality, and reality shows that he was a a good man, a great man, and and that number on the wall stands for him and his family and that, what he represented for the Phillies.
1: Well, you're not going to have your number up there unless you have you know some good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and 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 I think. Um, him coming back to Philadelphia allowed that to happen yeah. I, I don't number would be retired right now if he hadn't come back and played for the Phillies and helped to <clears throat> help to lead us into the postseason in, in 1976 and of course he uh, you know I can't remember the details of what happened after 1976 because I do know as a free agent I think he went to Oakland or something mm-hmm. Uh spent a little time out there right at, right at the end of his Oakland but um, him coming back, and that led to a relationship with Dick as he lived in Philadelphia with the club. He did some community work, um, Wall of Fame. You know, he tended a lot of things that uh, you know a lot of uh, special moments at at the stadium uh, over time. He was there with us to get introduced onto the field. So he was very cooperative with the club and a very stand-up guy representing the Phillies throughout the year for several years uh, until he passed away. So I think returning to the Phillies, his relationship with the club, promoting the club, working with sponsors, all those kind of things, um, allowed him to show a different side of himself. Yeah. And, and, and I think all of that combines why uh, John Middleton and, the, and a group of guys, uh, you know, administrative people with the club decided to retire his number.
0: Well – what does it say about him that he came after all the backlash, all the bad press, um, all, you know, the media of the first time through Philadelphia, what does it say about him to take all that in kind of bite the bullet? And and next thing you know, like be a different, not be himself, but be perceived a little bit differently the second time through Philadelphia.
1: All right. Here's how that happened. <clears throat> As you may have, as you may have read or found out, we went to
0: his farm. And- yeah, why was that the ceremony? When you were talking about this, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, Perkasy, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's some outskirts of Philadelphia. Uh, he and his uh, brothers had a a farm where they raised um, horses, thoroughbred horses. I don't know. Just they were very big into into horses. And um, it had one of those uh, barns where the horses could run around indoors and, you know, all the stalls and such. Anyway, um, I believe Richie Ashburn set this up. And on a day off in early May in 1975, Boa Cash and myself went to his farm with the intention of talking him in to coming to play for the Phillies, mm-hmm. he was Kevin? I'm not sure whether he was at that point in time uh, under contract with any club or not. But he was not. You know, he
0: he he, he was wasn't not, with them. Yeah,
1: he, he he wasn't playing. I know, <laughs> I know he, um, And I believe he might have been tied to the Atlanta Braves in some in some fashion at that time because. When he decided to come back to the Phillies, they worked out a deal with the Braves to bring Dick Allen to the Phillies. And Johnny Oates, you know, catcher, came with Dick Allen to the Phillies in a trade. And we sent, the only player I know that we sent to the Braves was Jim Essien, a catcher. I don't know who else went from the Phillies to the Braves at that time. But there was a trade shortly after he agreed to come back to play for the Phillies. Now, the details of that I'm not 100% sure of, but that's, that's what
0: happened. And Barry Bonnell,
1: Bonnell. Oh, Bonnell. Sorry,
0: and one hundred and fifty thousand so, dollars. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, that, that was big money. That's huge then. money. <laughs> anyway, um, he came back and you know would proceed as having changed his ways about him, to, you know, his feelings about the town of Philadelphia and the fans of the Phillies. For us. Cash, Boa, myself, Lazinski you know, he, he really did it for us. Mm-hmm. Because he took a liking to us, and he took a liking to the idea that he could be the missing ingredient with the Phillies, who, as you said earlier, were about to pop. And, uh, no, I saw that on Boa interview this morning about Dick Allen. The Phillies, we were just on the edge of becoming one of the great teams in the National League. I think he felt that his presence could help that. He needed to be assured that we had a bunch of guys that really wanted to win and that could win and that him being added to our team could help us win. And he was sure enough right. It happened the, the next year we got to the postseason. Actually, 76 was one of the great years of my career and the Phillies. I think we won the National League East by like 14 games or something in 76. But that's what brought him back that's being, awesome yeah being um it was about the guys it was about you know it wasn't so much about the town or you know whatever and uh but th- then it turned into that you know it, yeah. it turned into uh, you know a um i, I want to say from a hate affair to a love affair <laughs> yeah does that make sense
0: no yeah for sure
1: when he came out the first night in a, in a uniform to hit his first at bat he was hitting fifth in a The place went crazy. Wow. It went crazy for 10 minutes, a 10 minute standing ovation. (laughs) And that was one of the most beautiful things I ever saw in my career was the town basically applauding their sorrow and their forgiveness. And, uh, you know, you know, uh, it's almost like, you know, racism be damned. There was none. Yeah. And we're sorry for what happened to you in the sixties. And, please forgive us. And I think that that's where it all changed.
0: Well, and, and for those that have been around or knew, uh, you know, Dick before and, and, and playing there, like, was there, did, could you remember looking at someone going, wow, like in, in, or looking at Dick and being like seeing maybe him take a, a deep breath or, or taking the moment of them showing that appreciation or, or for, or asking for forgiveness basically by the, the applause.
1: I think it just made him feel warm inside uh, when that, uh, um, and I think, you know, Dick, Dick would have never forgotten the sixties. Yeah. You know, we, we would never, if it were us, never forgotten how we were treated. Right. Um, and I think to some degree he might admit that he didn't do the greatest job of handling it himself. Right. Maybe you'd say, maybe he'd say, well, a lot of it I brought on myself. But no question racism was a big part of it and the color of his skin, obviously. But like I say, he'll never forget that. But I think he, he sort of uh, didn't stop holding that grudge, so to speak, against the town of Philadelphia and, and decided to let it go and make the best of that moment on. Yeah. Which he did. Yeah. Ended up with his number being retired.
0: You know, I've told you my personal stuff with uh, a a certain individual that's not in, uh, and I understand it. A lot of it's media-based. A lot of it's himself-based. But it's just, are you a Hall of Famer or are you not? Dick Allen, Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, to some degree, uh, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably... Talking out of both sides of my mouth now. I mean, I've I've caught myself in discussions about the Hall of Fame a lot of times, and say, hey, if 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 you're not, I mean, if you weren't voted in in the first round of voting,
0: yeah. No, know, I I look, I am you, I'm a firm believer. That it shouldn't take ten years for people to, oh, now yes, he's a Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, like, he was. He was overlooked. <laughs> yeah, he was overlooked. Like, no, he wasn't. I, I, Look, I am the same way as you on this. Because I do believe that it's – like, there's – again, I am overstepping my boundaries when I say it. Goose Gossage was a Hall of Famer. I do believe. Um, yeah.
1: And but I don't
0: believe that he should have been campaigning for himself for the last couple of years. That's just a personal thing. I don't think – your your campaigning is your baseball card is your baseball reference what I that's my board I have right here that that's your that's your Hall of Fame right it, it is everything all the numbers Goose Goslin was a damn Hall of Famer it shouldn't have taken him ten years to get in right it, it, and Lee Smith to me was a Hall of Famer he was the one that started like just the the amount of innings he threw as a, as a reliever was insane.
1: He was the all-time saves leader for a long yes.
0: time. so it's like that.
1: You ought to have had a you have had a hit off
0: of that dude. I did. I oh, oh so he was. He's with the with the Giants organization and uh, as a pitching ro- roving instructor and. Uh, Man, first got drafted in 04 and, and you go down to Arizona and you're meeting all the coaches and stuff and and Lee Smith, one of them, and you're like, "Damn, that's Lee Smith." And he's huge. Like he is enormous. He shakes your hand, his his fingers go to your
1: elbow. All relievers were that size now.
0: <laughs> well, the, and then he's got the biggest hands in the world, so the ball looks like a golf ball in his hands, and he's throwing BP to you and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is least missed on me BP. This is like the first moment I had as a professional ball player. And I remember hitting a, a, a BP Homer. I'm not watching it. And he's like, Oh, hell <laughs> you're going to walk. And it, it, he, he saw that. And he just, the next one was a two seamer just shattered my bat in BP. And it was like, and you could just hear that, that belly laugh that he had. And it's all he did, but it was, that was him. And you know what I, for, for me, I'm so pumped that he's in you know it for me lee smith being in the hall of fame is is a big deal
1: <laughs> yeah uh and and you know i i'm going to be pushing hard for dick allen as a hall of famer <clears throat> i would say mostly because i I've, I've done a lot of thinking and a lot of research about his career um since a, a few friends of mine have, uh, have formed a uh, i want to say uh campaign committee uh to try and uh, push for dick and that kind of goes against what you said about campaigning mm-hmm. and i am well i'm not a big guy's campaigning for themselves either and yeah. you know you and i both know a lot of guys that that did that uh over the years um but in, in dick's case i truly believe when you start looking at that uh block of years from 64 to 72 he was as good as Mays and Aaron and Robinson and uh, uh, Star Joel, and, and you keep naming them. And McCovey. Was as as his OPS, his
0: OPS Plus, all that stuff was higher than McCovey. D- during that period. Yes. And all the other guys are in the Hall of Fame. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, in sort
1: of media perception, right? It yes. Has to go to the labels that he got from early in his career.
0: Willie (laughs) Willie Mack was a huge guy too. So Dick Allen putting up those numbers makes it even that, that going back to that, when you hear the stories about Dick Allen and he's five you're like, I thought he was huge. Like those numbers with those guys, you're like, Holy cow. Yeah. And you know, not just Dick, I feel
1: the same way about Jim
0: Cotton.
1: You know, he's given 25, 27 years of his life to baseball. And well, I think he played for 25 years, I'm not mistaken, and he gave, I mean, he's been baseball for 45 to 50 years, I think, you know, and a class guy, and he has some numbers (laughs) as a pitcher that people will say, oh, he played too long, you know, um, you know what I mean, he played for 25 years, that's why he has the numbers he has, and I believe it's 100. did he win hundred games in each league or I'm not sure he he's i mean if you pull him up you'll see some uh, some wild numbers and then it goes back to that whole thing well there's ten guys in the Hall of fame that whose numbers don't compare to cots
0: I mean he is a
1: <laughs> not right wow
0: i ne honestly I've never looked it up until you just said that. He had 190 wins in Minnesota, 27 in Philly. Wow, he had 237 wins in the AL, 46 in the NL. But my favorite thing is that he he started in '59 and ended his career in '83. <laughs> he played he played four decades.
1: Yep. And then, and then he goes, you know, to be one of the um, national, nas- one of the country's best broadcasters. Yeah. Right.
0: Yep. No, it's it's one of those things where you're
1: you're.
0: Wow, I I mean I am astonished by some of the numbers that he put up, and it's like, well, don't you get some credit for that? You should. I mean, the amount of gold the, uh, again, the Gold Glove is subjective, I guess, in so many ways. You won ten. Well, he won sixteen. Sorry, there, Schmitty, but. Uh... <laughs> no, no, no. I
1: understood. I understood is an Smith a, a Hall of Famer because of his gold glove? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. Not because of his bat. Definitely not. That's the same way I look at, like, with Omar and playing with Omar Vizquel and, and understanding what he brought and what he did as a, as a defender. Look, this game is so offensive-oriented when we look at stuff. When Ozzie Smith goes in and based on a lot of his defensive work, well, he was the, the wizard for a reason, but, like, he changed games defensively right yeah, and and yeah. you change games defensively <laughs> and offensively just oh, a little bit uh,
1: and yeah for sure <laughs> uh, yeah. Wh- anyway we're getting off the uh, the Dick Allen subject and and I'm I'm a little up against the clock right now Kevin so um i mean just to close the Dick Allen thing uh i i think and you know what's funny is he passed away the weekend that they would have announced Hmm. The uh golden era. Is it golden era? Golden golden years or golden era or golden something or golden yeah. days. Not sure which it is. But, Good show. Uh the virus prevented that from happening this year. <clears throat> and uh I would have been on actually on the voting committee for that. Uh, and and hopefully still will be. And when whenever they have it, I don't know, you know, they still haven't announced when they're gonna have it. Uh I don't think they're going to have it this coming spring. I think he's going to have to wait another year, year and a half or two years, whatever it is. But it's amazing that he passed the morning of, of the day they were going to announce mm. that. And that retirement of his number meant everything to him. It was a wonderful thing that the Phillies did that. Um, i tell you about that number being retired. Um, <clears throat> you know, when people, I mean, you think about, 35,000 people in uh, Citizens Bank Park, and you see those numbers out on the outfield uh, wall out there. And you know, I, I you know, at least 10, 15,000 people have to look out there at those numbers. And you know, they're they're with their parents or their kids, and they say, "See that number out there? You know, da 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 da." And then they start talking about that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that. And, you know, I watched him when I was, or he did this, and you know, I remember. Uh, Carlton did that and um, that's what happens when your number's retired it goes on the outfield wall and when all the people are there the camera sees it sometimes on TV or the people talk about those players now they're going to talk about number 15 they would have never talked about number 15 right they're going to talk about number 15 till the end of time in Philadelphia because it's on that wall out there and that's what the Phillies gave him they gave him um, what's the word now? You know, uh,
0: they legitimize his career they, live, they in
1: infamy. They'll live in infamy
0: no for no. sure but there, <laughs> before I let you go uh, the one thing that stood out to me uh, in being able to be at the ceremony was when you have people in front of you and you're the, the speaker and I'm talking to you in general uh, it's easy to talk to the crowd about a person you spoke most of the time to Dick like looking at him, looking over to him and that stood out to me uh, about everything in, in, in that ceremony, and it, it it was it was touching because I love that personal connection that you had, and I know that it was the influence, the you know the the friendship that developed even more after you guys played. But you yeah. looking at him mattered, I think, more <laughs> than anything when you were giving your speech.
1: I don't need to tell you about it because you have that with your teammates over time then you played. You know what that is. You, mm-hmm. you have have relationships with, with guys that um nobody knows what you guys did in your in you know in your personal time. You know, I mean you got some stories, right? I got some stories. Just a couple <laughs> <laughs> Yeah you know I mean, part of the life we lived as as athletes, yeah. right? And um you would look at them and you reference uh you, you know, the way they feel about something, uh, you, you know, what they meant to you. And, and in a ceremony like that, when the, when the number of your, one of your friends is retired, you know, you kind of have a giggle, Yeah. you know, with, when you say something about that, you remember that, Dick, yep. you know, you look over there and you go, Hey man, you, I know, you know, you and I know. And, <laughs> and that, and I think that's great that you, uh, you noticed that, um, uh, I would just t- just making a speech. I no. was talking to people about how I felt personally about Dick Allen and why I thought that was so special.
0: It almost seemed like and an easy then, speech because it wasn't, it was, because it was, yeah, cause it, was pers- yeah, yeah. it was right there to him.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's almost like what you and I are talking about right now. Uh, well, you know, we, I can't say that I could stand up to a microphone right now and have a conversation with you if you yeah. were like the only one in the audience
0: like we are now.
1: But <laughs> it's you're special the way you remembered that, and uh, you know that's uh, that's why you have a great career ahead of you in broadcasting.
0: Well, I hope so, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate you coming on the uh, the podcast today to talk about Dick and a little bit about you. Uh, and at some point, we got to catch up and talk. Maybe when the Phillies actually do something, we'll talk about the Phillies. Really, I hope at some
1: point in time I can uh, resume my job. With the film.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm <it> was, unemployed. <laughs> man, it was a uh, it was a lonely year at the uh, at the ballpark, and and you know, hoping that everyone's staying healthy, and uh, you know, we see you soon.
1: All right, Kevin, thank you so much for inviting me, and you stay well yourself.
0: Thanks, Shmitty. Stay warm. Man. Stay warm. Oh, I'll try. I'll always try. Thank you, Michael Jack Schmidt, for coming on Pine Talk for breakfast to talk about Dick Allen, a little bit about cold weather, and it's just a fun conversation. I wish I had a lot longer with him because we could talk hitting, we could talk so many other things, but the main point was Dick Allen and what he meant to Mike Schmidt, his career and the person and, and everything. So I was very fortunate to be able to speak to Schmitty and hope you enjoyed that. Until next time Peace Kevin